Hi everybody and welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd here, the Digital Media Editor, with another episode. This time we're talking electrophysiology with Dr. Mark Dial from the University of British Columbia, Vancouver. And Mark is an expert in electrophysiology and the assessment and treatment of patients with premature ventricular contractions. We discuss his recent paper in Heart and get into some detail about how we can assess and treat these patients. Please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Thank you very much indeed, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Perhaps we could start by me asking you to introduce yourself, Mark, for the heart audience. Yeah, so uh, my name is Mark DL. I'm a practicing clinical electrophysiologist who works at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver uh, at St. Paul's Hospital. And I have had a long-standing interest in frequent PVCs um, since I was in fellowship. So I'm also an epidemiologist first before I became a cardiac electrophysiologist. So that sort of stimulated my interest in PVCs. And let's set the scene a little bit. Can we uh, both agree what we mean by PVCs? How do you define them? Yeah, so, so obviously PVCs are frequent ventricular extra beats are almost ubiquitous, almost ubiquitous. Most of us in adulthood will have at least a few of these on a 24-hour monitor. And so I'm really focusing on sort of patients who have really frequent PVCs, probably on a population level, something over about 1% or 2% or 1% or 2,000 PVCs is abnormal or beyond the 99th percentile. And I'm looking really at people who've got more than 5%, so kind of well beyond the 99th percentile. And you say it's a very common condition. Have you got any idea uh, in, let's say, adults with uh, normal hearts how common this will be? Yeah, it depends on where you set the bar. So if you set the bar, you know, at about 5%, that's probably getting into the maybe 1 in 1,000 range. But we have very poor data on how frequent this is in the population. There's been some data from 24-hour monitors done in otherwise healthy adults in phase one trials, sort of screening monitors, and mostly looking at QT interval. But those have shown that in young adults, it's very uncommon to have frequent PVCs, certainly way less than 1% of the population. And presumably, as a cardiologist myself, I know that these can sometimes cause symptoms of extra heartbeats or palpitations. But... They also have more occasional sinister outcomes in terms of cardiomyopathy, um, and that's why I guess we're interested in them particularly. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's it's kind of varied throughout the modern history of cardiology. Initially, some larger sort of population-based studies have shown that they were relatively benign. But then about the late 1990s, there was some reports showing that people who had left ventricular dysfunction or impaired heart function but who also had frequent PVCs, they got better when you got rid of the PVCs. The initial reports were with amiodarone, but that led to the notion of some patients having a PVC-induced cardiomyopathy. And that's really sort of re-energized the interest in PVCs, which has been coupled with our ability now to actually um, treat these without medications, like with ablation. And that sort of led to a resurgence in the interest of PVCs. So there's obviously this background concern that people may develop to worsening heart function over time. And what was it that motivated your study that we recently published in Heart, Mark? 
So I look after a lot of patients. When I came back to the University of British Columbia and started my own practice, I developed a clinical niche in looking after people with frequent PVCs um, to learn more about them and to hopefully answer some of the basic questions that were, hadn't been answered. And basically, I noticed um, that in a lot of these patients, either the PVCs seem to go away on their own, and very few people seem to develop worsening heart function over time. In fact, the majority of people seem to kind of truck along and were very clinically stable over a period of years. And that prompted this study. And the study is entitled The Outcomes of Untreated Frequent Premature Ventricular Complexes with Normal Left Ventricular Function, and it's published recently in Heart. And it will be open access for a couple of weeks after we uh, publish the podcast. And how did you go about doing the study, Mark? Yeah, so when I came back to the university in 2012, we immediately um, started a prospective registry. And we wanted to intentionally keep it very broad. A lot of the publications in this area are very narrow populations that are referred to usually for ablation. So they're very, very narrow. So we kept it broad and we basically took anybody who had documentation of at least 5,000 PVCs in 24 hours or 5% roughly. And we took anybody who had that. And then out of that broad cohort, we looked at people who had a completely normal initial workup. And so that means, you know, history and physical, laboratory testing, stress testing, and who also had a normal echo. And most of the time had a normal MRI in the patients who could actually have an MRI. So we looked at kind of the, the very normal people who had nothing else wrong with them except for these frequent PVCs. And then we followed them longitudinally over time to see what happens. And how long did you follow them for on average? So on average, this study was the initial report. So it was on average just under three years of follow-up. Okay. And uh, what kind of testing do you do on the patients during the follow-up? So the testing we did is for the initial, if they were recently diagnosed, we tried to get Holter monitors or 24-hour monitors at least every six months to assess their PVC burden. Okay. And then on at least a yearly basis, we repeated their echocardiograms to look for any subclinical deterioration in their heart function. And what were the study endpoints that you chose, Mark? So we chose two endpoints. The first was an arrhythmic outcome. So we looked at how many patients had a resolution of their PVCs down to less than 1% or less than 1,000 PVCs in 24 hours. We figured that was a reasonable sort of target for saying the PVCs have likely gone away. So that was the first endpoint. And then the second endpoint was an echocardiographic endpoint. So we looked at who developed LV dysfunction over time. And that was an ejection fraction that was less than 50% on echocardiography. Recognizing all these patients had a normal ejection fraction to begin with. And did they all have symptoms of, of palpitations or extra heartbeats? Or were these sometimes asymptomatic patients that had been pulled in from, from other re for other reasons? Yeah, so that's a good point. So a lot of patients are asymptomatic and probably, or minimally symptomatic, I should say. And we sort of outline that in, in our table one, and that many patients and especially in this cohort, were asymptomatic. There's a small subset of patients who will be highly symptomatic that probably want treatment irrespective of whether or not they have normal or abnormal heart function. Okay. But these, this study predominantly focused on those patients with minimal or no symptoms. So just to reiterate, these are basically pretty much well patients with very few symptoms, with a normal echo, but a high burden of PVCs, and you're not treating them 
but following them for around three years with repeat echocardiography and also repeat 24-hour ECGs to see what happens. Exactly. And what kind of approach did you use to the statistics for this study, Mark? This was relatively straightforward because it's mostly a descriptive study. Um, so we basically did a survival analysis looking at both of those outcomes, so a drop in your ejection fraction to less than 50% or a resolution of your PVCs down to less than 1%. And we did mostly a basic time-to-event analysis, but we did pre-specify um, a few stratifications, so a few things we really wanted to look at. So one is the most simple concept to date has been there's probably a dose response curve. So if you have a high dose or a high amount of PVCs, then maybe that's worse off than having a low amount of PVCs. So we did look at pre-specified cutoffs of how many PVCs you had. So looking at people who had five to 10%, 10 to 15% PVC, sorry, 10 to 20% PVCs, and then greater than 20%. And so we did do some stratified analysis by how many PVCs you had. And what were the main study findings? So the main study finding for the arrhythmic outcome, so how many people actually had resolution, spontaneous resolution without treatment of their PVCs was fairly high. So it was about 44% of our cohort over three years had resolution uh, of their PVCs. And most of the time the resolution happened within two to three years. So it was uncommon to have resolution after three years, but it still happened. So that was the primary arrhythmic finding. And then the next finding was that we only had, out of the 100 patients we enrolled, only four patients developed left ventricular dysfunction. And of those four, only one of them had clinical heart failure. And the other three had a subclinical drop in their ejection fraction. So that's a relatively low rate over the course of a three-year follow-up on average. And were you surprised by the findings, such a high rate of spontaneous resolution of, of PVCs? I probably would have been surprised by the findings five years ago, but having followed patients with frequent PVCs for many years now, that seems to be the rule, and that uh, quite a few people will have resolution. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? If you can reassure patients and, and sit on your hands almost, then, uh, as you say, almost half are going to get better within three years without doing anything at all. Exactly. And there is probably a, there is a definitely a population that they seem to stick around for long periods of time. But I think this study certainly provides reassurance that just watching them and reassuring them and monitoring them is probably enough and that you don't need to rush to treat. And given that it was a small study, I suppose there weren't many predictors of patients who were going to resolve spontaneously <laughs> or patients who were going to have a bad echo outcome or not resolve. Yeah, that was that's very true. Because we only had four patients who developed worsening their heart function, it's very difficult to identify patients who um, who might warrant therapy or who are predisposed to having this happen. That's a, a much more difficult topic to study. And what would you say are the main limitations, I guess, apart from sample size, as you've just outlined? Yeah, I think the main limitations, even though we tried to capture a broad population, this is still people who are referred to a cardiac electrophysiologist. So it's still got a referral bias. Um, and so it may not be a, a true population-based study. Um, and so we don't know if, if, if the general population has an even higher rate of resolution. And that may, certainly may be the case. Um, also, the, I think 
you know, there may be a long latent period between the development of left ventricular dysfunction or, or for the development of left ventricular dysfunction. So following these people longer is going to be important. And we're certainly trying to do that. We're continuing on with our work to follow people for a longer period of time to see if there's a longer delay between PVCs and left ventricular dysfunction. And what do you think the study adds uh, to the literature? And do you think it may influence guidelines in this area? Yeah, I think it certainly provides some contemporary data in an adult population on on what to do with people who are otherwise well, who present to your office with frequent PVCs. Before this, there was really minimal data in this in this area. There was a large cohort study from Japan, and there was a pediatric cohort study um, that sort of had conflicting messages. I think this reassures people that that it will it is safe to simply follow them and watch them and serially monitor patients. Um, so I think that's hopefully the the main take home message. I think there's been a rush to treat out of fear of development of left ventricular dysfunction, and that exposes exposes patients to either unnecessary drug therapy or it exposes them to unnecessary procedures, which can obviously have a complication rate. And we've seen this in our practice. And of course, we don't know whether the treatments that we give, say, beta blockers, are actually going to prevent uh, cardiomyopathy, right? Exactly. Um, they probably do um, are effective for treating cardiomyopathy, but yet whether or not patients should routinely be put on beta blockers, that's, yeah, it seems to be a, a big leap to say they should be prophylactically put on beta blockers, especially in otherwise healthy patients. Yeah, it reminds me of the CAST study from back in the day, back in the 90s, when we thought that yeah. su suppressing ventricular arrhythmias after MI was a good idea, but that didn't turn out so well. Yeah, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> do, you know, do you know of any other research going on in this area, or, or have you got follow-up studies uh, in the pipeline yourself? Yes, we do have. Um, so we now have over 300 patients enrolled in the in our registry, of which over 200 are patients who'd be categorized as having normal heart function and negative workup. So we're hopefully on uh, on producing a follow up to this study. Um, and then the other sort of population that we're interested in is patients who arrive at your doorstep with both frequent PDCs and impaired heart function, which is fairly common. It's fairly uncommon to actually watch a patient deteriorate. Um, who has frequent PVCs, most of the time they show up with both. So we're planning on doing some follow-up studies with that. Uh, in terms of other cohort studies, um, there has been a move, there's been a move to try some clinical trials uh, in terms of PVC treatment, but those haven't been published to date, and I haven't heard a recent update on any impending clinical trial results on routine treatment of PVCs. So I'm not aware of any studies ongoing. Okay, well, I think that... Uh just about wraps it up, Mark. It's uh, very good of you to take some time to talk to me today. Uh, the study, as you say, is, is very interesting, and I think it does help me as a practicing cardiologist give me some reassurance that if somebody's got a normal ventricle and, and few symptoms, then it is okay to proceed with watchful waiting and, and kind of see what happens over the next few years. That's great. Brilliant. Thanks very much indeed, Mark. And as I say, I'll make the editorial that was written about your paper plus your paper open access for a couple of weeks after the podcast is released and uh, encourage everybody to go and have a listen. Sounds good. Sounds good.